Hello, and welcome to the Tartan Tardigrade. This is a podcast brought to you by the UK Centre for Astrobiology at the University of Edinburgh. In the podcast, we talk to astrobiologists from around the world about their research, their careers, and anything else that comes to mind. In this episode, we were joined by Axel Hagerman from the University of Stirling, who talked to Adam Stevens and Liam Pereira in December of 2018. And we'd just like to apologize for the poor sound quality and the loud background typing noise in this episode. Hello, um, I'm Axel Hagerman, yeah, and I'm, I'm from Stirling University, and we do um, research into mainly ISIS, but generally thermal processes, and also the physical processes in granular materials all over the solar system. So could you give us some examples? Uh, some examples of the stuff that we're investigating is, for instance, the processes in... Not, ice caps or near the ice caps on Mars, um, processes where basically um, stuff happens that we don't see on Earth. So CO2 ice under Martian conditions and um, all, all the weird and wonderful stuff that happens in those things such as dust eruptions or um, generally just CO2 ice and its behavior under Martian conditions. Um, we also work on CO2 snow, water snow, that sort of thing. Basically, if it's granular, if it's icy, then we're interested. And you also work on quite a few different space missions and yeah. have worked on different space missions. Yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've worked in, on quite a few space missions. Actually, my, my first involvement with space missions was um, during my master's thesis with Rosetta when I um, did some work as we were designing an experiment. My, my supervisor was a, a PI of the, the MUPAS thermal probe on, on the Rosetta lander, um, and that was in 1996, no, hang on a minute, 1994 actually. So in 1994 we, we, we started um, the preparations for that mission, and um, it was my task to do some model calculations for for the um, design specifications for this instrument. So I was, I was quite chuffed to actually then have an opportunity to work on the data because obviously you know that was 20 years after I'd done my calculations and uh, you rarely ever in, in this business have the opportunity to actually prepare or work on the preparation of an instrument and then actually you know be there for the analysis of the data and um, after that I, I worked on the Huygens mission that was at the Open University with uh, John Zanecki and whom you probably know um, and then I got involved with um, the Japanese Hayabusa 2 mission and that basically put down a lander on the surface of an asteroid in October this year and I also got involved in the InSight mission which is a mission that um, is about the interior of Mars now so this mission basically has a, you know, a seismometer and a heat flow probe um, and it's going to look into Mars rather than looking at the the surface and the environment of Mars. I think, yeah, I think that's basically all, all the missions. So uh, your background is geophysics? Yeah, my what? background is in geophysics. Okay. Yeah. How, how do you know? I kind of picked it up from 
Okay. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask yeah, as well. Yeah, so yeah. is that what your degree's in? Yeah, my, my degree's in geophysics, yeah. And then your master's, you kind of did more... Well, well the, the, that's the thing, you know. It was an, In the olden days, we didn't... Our undergrad was just two years, and then we did this, what was called a diploma, which is effectively a master's degree. So the, um, that was geophysics. Um, I studied geophysics um, for five years, got that, you know, very unique at the time, you know, German degree called a diploma, and, and then I did my PhD also in geophysics, basically. Was that in Germany too? It was also, it was actually, yes, I should have said that, yeah. I was at Münster University where, where I studied. And so that one's I did spacecraft my, stuff? Well, I did my undergrad in Karlsruhe, then my master's in Münster, and then basically my PhD in Münster as well. That was the, pre, uh, the, the preparations for the Rosetta mission, yeah. Okay. And when you, you say you got involved in these different missions... How 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 does that actually happen? So, actually, in our last interview, we had a paleontologist who's now involved in the NASA 2020 mission, okay. and they got in touch with him to yeah. give them some insight. But how how did the process work for you? Um, I mean, with Rosetta, it was quite simple. It was a job that he did doing, um, and it was this this project for a thesis, and which basically then threw up another problem that had to be solved, which then was my PhD project. And my involvement with um, with Huygens came about by just a job being advertised. And um, it was, Huygens was rather interesting in, in that it was one of those opportunities that you, you mustn't ever miss if you get it. Because, that, I mean, they, they had started designing the mission, I think, in, in the mid-80s or so, and the launch had been, like, in the 90s. And um, then it, in 2004, there was an opportunity to join the team, just, just I think, less than a year before arrival of the mission. So it was, in a way, a unique opportunity, because you had to do none of the waiting, you had to do none of the preparations, and yet you would be able to analyze the data. Um, and that's how, how I came to the UK, because um, that John Zanecki at the time, the PI, advertised this post, and um, yeah, I just applied for this job. And fortunately, in my, my previous job then, I, I had um, gathered the, the necessary expertise in, in um, data archiving, which is an essential part of these long-term missions. I mean, all the data archiving are specific formats for that. And in my previous post, that was at the University of Cologne, um, I had to deal with the data archiving for another relative instrument, the, the radio science instrument. And um, so that data archiving expertise, in fact, got me the job on Huygens, and that was a fantastic opportunity because, in a way, all of a sudden you sit on basically you know, this you know, bunch of data and... The, the instrument team have got this very, very short you know, frame of, of opportunity where nobody else has got the data. And um, that, that effectively means that you, know, you really get an opportunity to, to, to drive science and actually to push science forward. Um, and that was you know, fantastic, actually, especially since our instrument was one of very few that got the full data set from Huygens. The kind of geophysical thermal processes that you talked about and you told us about today. Um, why should we, uh, as astrobiologists, care, care about what's going on and be interested in these missions like Rosetta to comets, InSight to Mars, Hayabusa to asteroids? Um, 
I actually think that you as astrobiologists should be particularly interested in thermal processes in the solar system because um, th those are, I mean, the energy is is what you want, right? So you want the temperatures to be in that sweet spot. You want you want your your um, solvents to be be present. I mean, you, you can't do anything without your, your solvents, and actually. Well, I mean, you need to explore. I think the, the the phase diagram of the various various candidates for the solvents, and um, why should you be interested in asteroids? Um, well, to, to be honest, I can't tell you why you should be interested in asteroids, <laughs> but I can tell you why you should be interested in Mars because what happens in like on the surface of Mars is actually in terms of the thermodynamics very very interesting because. Let's face it, we still don't know 100% certain whether there is liquid water on Mars in one form or another, like we, you know, perchlorate brine or, or whatever stuff. And all the evidence that we've got so far is, is just um, circumstantial, right? I mean, you, you, so so what we can do, uh, or the most we can do, is, is simulate those conditions in the lab and find out actually, yeah, is, is it likely to be liquid is there likely to be any any solvent on mars and um, in order to explore those possibilities i mean we need to look at the thermodynamics of those various candidates i mean volatiles effectively and um, so particularly astrobiologists i would expect to be very very interested in the sort of stuff like thermodynamics of of planetary surfaces um, Comets might be interesting in that they, they possibly have got some organics that you are interested as building blocks in, you know, as building blocks of of your your organisms that you you look at and possibly you know you know I don't know amino acids and, and stuff like that. So um, comets have got some some organics that um, might actually you know have something to do with life, even though it might be very very little. In your talk, you um, were talking about these kind of CO two eruptions on the Martian ice cap. Um, how, how big are these eruptions? Like, what's the kind of... Yeah. Uh, that's a difficult question. There, there's various phenomena that are related to the, the eruption of, of gas and, and, and entrained dust. I think we, we're talking meter to tens of meter scales, yeah, possibly. I, I think there are some channels that are you know, several tens of meters. Mm. Um, so we're, we're not talking anything that is like you know, kilometers in, in, in size. Um, in contrast, um, what we've done in the lab was, um, you know, very limited. It was only tens of centimeters. Do you think that maybe those small-scale features exist? We just haven't seen them yet because of the resolution. Uh, well, that, that's one one possibility. Another possibility is just that, um, that, you know, because there is more ice there, it's more likely to just, you know, result in. Some scale dependence. Larger, larger features. Well, I don't think there's necessarily scale dependence. There was a depth, for instance. Um, but mind you, I mean, we, we are mainly limited in terms of the um, the extent by the size of our sample. So if you've got a much bigger sample, well, I don't know whether the features themselves will be bigger or whether actually there'll be more of them. Okay. So um, I, I can't tell you anything about scale, how, how this stuff If If... Say there was someone who wanted to get into your line of work or yeah. similar line of work, or just generally work with space missions. Would there be any particular tips that you would give them? In terms of getting involvement in space missions, I mean, I think it's quite important for people to understand that 
Um, space missions are huge projects. There are hundreds or even thousands of people involved. And um, in order to, or you need to realize, one needs to realize, that sometimes the role one plays is only a very minor role. So, for instance, it's, in my case, for instance, with Rosetta, it was a model calculation to estimate the, uh, the, ex the distance, you know, you would need from the land in order to get a reliable you know, thermal measurement and stuff like that. And so it's those, those tiny, tiny roles that actually then result in the, in, in the big mission. And um, effectively, that's, that's how, how rocket science or how those missions come about. So you need to realize that the role you play is not the gee whiz, fancy stuff all the time. Sometimes it can be a very, very simple contribution in terms of a, a model calculation that you do or a single experiment that you do or data archiving. On your university profile page, it says that you like ice cream. Yes. So what is your favorite flavor? <laughs> Green tea. Green tea? Green tea. Was that the picture you showed at the end? Yeah, 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 well, I mean... There was quite a few flavours of ice cream. <laughs> well, actually, green tea and also salty licorice. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a very Scandinavian flavour. It is, yes, yeah. Green tea is existed. Oriental, it's quite Japanese. Hmm? Green tea is, green tea is green Japanese, Japanese yeah. yeah, and, and salty licorice is, is quite Scandinavian. Even though, actually, I saw it in an ice cream parlour in the Lake District. Salty licorice. Mm, tasty. Did that love of ice cream develop before or after you started working with planetary ices? I think it deepened <laughs> um, when, when I got to do with planetary uh, more to do with planetary ices. It definitely. Do you think there's life on Mars? It doesn't matter what I think. Yes. Uh, there's no evidence. I can't. I can't answer that question. Okay. And if we found evidence for life on Mars, yeah. what would you do? Leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the tartan tardigrade if you'd like to find out more about the uk center for astrobiology or astrobiology in general you can visit our website at astrobiology.ac.uk you'll also find links there to the other episodes of the podcast and a link where you can subscribe via the university of edinburgh podcast service the podcast was produced by members of the UK Centre for Astrobiology. And in our next episode, we'll be talking to Nicola McLaughlin from Rhodes University in South Africa.